of God says that the Spirit falls like fire. Anybody not here? And that fire consumes anything in our life that's not meant to be there. So if you're sweating right now, it's a good thing because God's just burning up whatever He doesn't want in there. But then also the Word of God says His Spirit comes like a wind. It just kind of refreshes. So you'll be feeling that periodically as well. And it's just God uh, doing His work this morning. Worship team, that was awesome. Thank you very much. That was definitely a blessing. I'm glad of all you made it out, and welcome to to uh, Journey Church on the Street Camp Out. It's been awesome having you here. In a way, it's like a taste of heaven. Imagine what heaven's going to be like. No individual churches, no denominations, just wall-to-wall people just worshiping Almighty God. Is that an awesome or what? I'm ready. I don't know about you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Who brought your Bibles this morning? Anybody? Lift them up for me, will you? Repeat after me. This is my Bible. What it says I can have, I can have. What it says I can be, I can be. What it says I can do, I can do. Holy Spirit, speak to me through my Bible. Do you believe that? Good stuff. Well, as always, we um, print the scriptures right into the notes, which is that green sheet in there for you, so you can just follow along and uh, be blessed this morning. But uh, I just uh, want to thank Pastor Pat for giving me this opportunity, um, because I believe that God has a good word for us in store. I mean, know that the word of God is supposed to be life-changing. It's not meant to be some dusty book that we blow off on Sunday morning and, you know, just kind of read some good you know, passages or whatever, but it's meant to be life-changing, and my heart and prayer for you this morning is that it would be just that. The title of my message this morning is Fulfilling Your Destiny, and uh, hopefully there'll be a word of encouragement for you this morning. If you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, maybe some of you don't even need to turn to it because you haven't memorized. It's probably one of the most quoted scriptures other than John 3, 16. It'll bring some new, fresh revelation to you this morning. Again, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. I'll be reading this morning out of the NIV. And uh, we have group participation. Can you read this passage with me this morning? Let's do this together, shall we? It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I want to believe in that. The more I'm on this planet, the more I'm really realizing that Americans are struggling with an identity crisis right now. Just struggling with identity crisis. Why? Because they haven't had a God encounter. You see, you can attend church all every week of the day and come and go and still not have a God encounter. But that's what most of the church and most that are even not in the church are experiencing right now. They're going through the motions because someone said, you know what, it's good to go to church. But they don't know what it's like to feel the very presence of God in their life. They don't know what it's like for God's audible voice to speak to them inside. And so we have a crisis going on in America right now of people roaming about and don't know who they are. This week alone I had four suicide calls. I had a, a young man who talked to me this week. His mother is dead. His father's in jail. His other sister is off in, in foster care. And he said, Patrick, what more is there in this life? Everything that I want, everything that I try for, everything that I hope for is just an illusion. I think that best describes society. Because they haven't tasted and seen how good or God. Because how many know that the word of God is yes and amen? His promises are true. It's not hopes. It's not dreams. It's not something that, that okay, if you, you know, wave your magic wand, it'll happen. God's word is his promise. His word is true to us. And maybe you're here and God has given you dreams and plans. Maybe it's dreams for your business to take off. How many are hanging on to that word? Hanging on to your job saying, Lord, I need a miracle. Some of you have dreams of, of maybe your family. 
Same day, maybe you're single and trying to find the, your soulmate in life. God's given you hope and the plan that, yes, I have the soulmate for you. Some of you have been praying for children, and God hasn't blessed you yet with children. And, and that's your dreams, and that's your plan that God's hanging on to. You dream of the house with the white picket fence. Or maybe some of you God's spoken to as far as ministry opportunities. I want to scroll back. Does anybody know the context of which the scripture was given? What's, what's happening historically? Anybody know? The children of Israel had been rebelling against God. And so, he led them into exile. And right before they spent 70 years in slavery in Egypt, he gave them this passage. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is what he's telling them as they're going to Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh. Some of you remember the old Moses story and Joseph and all the good stuff. Moses is take place after this. This is what they're going to, the slavery. And maybe some of you are in slavery right now, saying, God, where is the plans that you have for me? Prosper me? Got five bucks to my name. Not harm me? Anybody been there? Just searching for answers to say, God, what's going on in my life? I don't understand that. Turn with me to Zechariah chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to look at this. And, and again, hopefully this will give you some revelation this morning. Zechariah chapter 1, and starting with verse 16. It says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt. And the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. What comes after the word says? What? There's a colon there, right? Anytime you see colon in scripture, it's like, watch out. Here's what he says. Pay attention, right? It says, my towns will be again overflow with what? Prosperity. And the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Then I looked up, and there before me were four horns. I asked the angel who was speaking before me, What are these? He answered, These are the four horns that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. In the King James it says carpenters. I asked, What are these coming to you? He answered, These are the horns that scattered Judah. So that no one could raise his head. But the craftsmen or carpenters have come to terrify them and throw down these horns of the nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter his people. Point number one I'd like to bring out this morning is that God blesses us with finances and other things so that his kingdom can be advanced. God blesses us with finances and other things so that his kingdom is advanced. That's what the purpose of all this stuff is. Obviously, God wants us to take the stuff that he gives us and take care of our families. But see, we've kind of got mixed up. We kind of think that all this stuff is for our own little kingdoms. Right? And instead of just taking care of our stuff, what do we do? Kind of fluff it off a bit, right? Instead of just having a bedroom for us to sleep in and a living room and a kitchen and a bathroom, what do we have now? 15 bedrooms and a six-car garage and a boat and a car for our garage and our house for our dog and a cat and everything else, right? Big screen TVs in every room and cable wire. Brenda and I moved into our house in Flint. We were utterly amazed. Every single room in the house had cable. They had put wires everywhere. And so every single room, except for the bathroom, which I was shocked, but every other bedroom place in the house had was wired for cable. Thinking that's some serious, that's some serious thing. Serious cable. Too bad it's not being used because we don't have cable. But, but that's what we've grown to custom as our rights as Americans. People come to me, Pastor, I'm struggling financially, and I look at their debt and say, well, can't see your cable. <laughs> can't 
do that. That's a necessity. But we need to realize that everything that God blesses us with is intended to further His kingdom. And when we take ownership of that money and start to dictate to God what we're going to do with the stuff that He blesses us with, then it becomes idols in our life. And see, that's what the children of Israel were doing. As they were starting to say, Oh, look what I've done with my money! Look how great I am! Look at all that I have! God said, Oh, yeah? place called Egypt. We'll see what you have now. The reason they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years is because God had to take Egypt out of them. And maybe that's what God's doing with you right now, is taking a little bit of Egypt out of you. You see, we've been, Jesus says, God calls us to be part of the world, but not, in the world, but not be part of the world. I think some of us become like millions. We just kind of blend in with the world, because it's, the world has a lot of nice stuff to offer, doesn't it? But notice what it says there in verse 18. Then I looked up, and there before me were four horns. Anytime you see the word horns in Scripture, it deals with the occult, it deals with demonic oppression, it deals with the kingdom of the enemy. Okay? And it says four horns. It's no wonder that every time you see a cartoon of the devil, what does he have? Two horns. Okay? It wasn't just some cartoonist deciding to be clever horns again attributes to the enemy. Need some help from some kids. What's some animals that have horns? Rhinoceros? Alright, what else? What's some animals that have horns? Bulls? Very good. Anybody else? What's some animals that have horns? Alright. To make you think this morning, try to group participation. So again, he's referring to here that I looked up and saw before me four horns. Now we're talking about that God has given us plans and dreams. How many of God given you plans and dreams? Anybody here? But here's a novel idea. Point number two is God gives us those dreams and visions to be fulfilled. God gives us those dreams and visions to be fulfilled. But oftentimes we feel like the donkey with the carrot in front of us. It's just a little bit further. It's a little bit further and we're like, okay God, I'm almost there to my dreams. Got 600 more credit cards to burn up and we're almost there. Got one less paid off. I'm almost there to my dream of being out of debt. I've almost got enough saved up to go back to school. I think I found my soulmate life. I missed my period. Maybe I'm pregnant this month. But then it seems like the carrot just holds an extra foot. But God gives us dreams and visions to be fulfilled. They're not meant to tempt us. They're not meant to torment us to say, ha ha, you're not good enough to achieve those. I'm going to torture you with these dreams and visions, but it's not plausible. Sometimes feel that way. Feel like it's just one grasp or one step out of reach. But these dreams are hindered by four things. Again, he said, I saw four horns. We're going to look at those four horns today. These dreams are hindered by four things. Letter A, the first horn, deals with the spirit of lack. The spirit of lack. What is that that I don't have? Pat, Pastor Pat comes to you and says, I'd like you to work in the children's ministry. Oh, Pastor, I can't. I'm just not qualified. I don't have what it takes. I've got to get, my life is a mess right now, and I need to, to get things in order, and I just don't have what it takes to do children's ministry. Some of you might say, I might say to you, you know, God, it's your year for redemption. You're going to be out of debt. You might just chuckle at me and say, Have you seen my bills? you know how much I was in debt? And again, it's the spirit of lack that traps us. It feels like we're standing up here and someone takes duct tape and just kind of wraps it around us and hinders us from getting the dreams and the visions that God has for us. Kind of chokes off 
what God has for us. I was at that place. I'd gone through the wonderful world of college and wonderful world of life where Farmer Jack had a dollar bologna and a 89 cent thing of bread and there was my meals for the week. Occasionally go through the deli and they'd have those packets of ketchup. Bonus. We have bologna with ketchup tonight. You get into those jams where you got out good old plastic and you run it through. Buy no big screen TV. I wasn't buying a yacht. I wasn't buying a car. I was paying for groceries. And the debt just got higher and higher and higher. So much so that I couldn't even pay the bare, bare minimum minimum payment on the credit card. That's how much my debt had accumulated. And I cried out to God and said, Oh God, I know this is not your will for my life. You called us to be the lenders, not the borrowers. You called us to be the head and not the tail. And yet the chains and bondage of finances are choking me out. God led me to this passage, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. And slowly but surely, he put a plan in place. Can I tell you, today... All those credit card debts. The only debt my wife and I have is our mortgage, and that's half me. Some of you are sitting there, but saying, "But Pastor, you don't understand. There's not enough digits to cover my debt. There's nothing impossible, Church, for God." He's the God that parts the Red Sea. He's the God that was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego. He's the one that said, Lazarus, come forth! He's the one that resurrected Christ from the grave. But some of you have given up hope because it's just time has just passed. The more time's passed, the more your heart's just become callous to say, I give up. This pastor hurts too much to hang on to that plan when all I see day in and day out is failure. All I see day in and day out is rejection. All I see day in and day out is the circumstances. I'd rather hang on to the reality that this is all I'm going to have than to hang on to something that I feel I can never obtain. Because at least I won't be disappointed. Is it no wonder our world is an identity crisis. Is it any no wonder people are killing himself off tonight? Another young man three weeks ago found out his girlfriend who was cheating on him went and got a gun and just shot himself. Because his life was wrapped up in his girlfriend. That was his world. That was his glimpse of hope. That was the only thing that was getting him through this life. That was ripped away. Forget it. Right in front of his girlfriend, he shot himself. Church, this is what's happening to our society. This isn't a fictional story. This is real life situations. And some of you, even in this tent and over here, came this morning saying, I give up. I can't do this anymore, God. I don't even know why I'm getting out of bed to go to church to serve you. Because I, it's bringing me pain just to go to church. Because I sit there and I sing songs about how great you are. I sing songs about how you're my provider, my healer, my deliverer. And yet my life is different from that. The spirit of lack chokes up the visions that God gives us. Number two, let her be there. The spirit of limitation. I know he can do it, but he won't do it for me. I know God is capable, but he won't do it for me. The spirit of limitation, some of it is just choking the visions that God has given to you. And Satan gets us so bound on our sin and our actions that we think the promises of God exclude us. 
because the promises of God are for only a holy people. Can I share a secret with you? Anybody here never sin? Raise your hand. Look around you, people. The only perfect person came to this earth and they crucified him. So we just need to look at the lies of the enemy and say, Satan, go back off. Because God didn't write his word and give the promises just for his son. He gave them to all of us. Why? Because we're heir to the throne of God. You realize that? We're princes and princesses, heir to the throne of God. But see, Satan's lied to us and gets us off of that mentality and wants us to get onto our failures and look and say, well, you don't understand what I've done, Pastor. It doesn't matter, church. We need to hang on to the visions that God has given us. Spirit of lack, spirit of limitation, the third horn there, letter C, is the hindering spirit. The hindering spirit. We just feel like somebody's like uh, in the front just holding us back. You know what I'm talking about. Just spirit of heaviness, pushing us back. We're, we're on a treadmill, trying to run, trying to reach, trying to grasp our vision. And it's like someone's holding us back. And the last one, D there, is the devouring spirit. If the hindering spirit hasn't guiding us, the devouring spirit is from behind us, eating us alive. Eating your hope. Eating your joy. Eating, making you discouraged. is eating at your dream. Until all you have left is just a remnant. All you have left is a scrap of paper. The gust of wind comes and just off it goes. But God... But God's word is yes and amen, church. And we need to hang on to those promises. We need to hang on to those promises. What does it say in verse 16? I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be what? Rebuilt. That's God's word, church. I know we look at the church of America today, and all we see is just hopelessness. We wonder why there's empty seats in the church. Can I tell you why? See, the power of God was flowing and we brought in the sick and they were healed and we brought in the, the lame and the deaf and they began walking and we brought in dead people and they were rising. How many know that we wouldn't need CNN here to do a broadcast? They would automatically be here. But see, we've settled for what we call church, which is showing up on Sunday, singing a few songs and, and going through the motions of scripture, having a quick altar call and up, time's up, let's go home, see you next week. Instead of getting to the point where you read the book of Acts where it says the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fell and life-changing, and say, God, I'm not moving from this place till this happens now. Because if it happened to them, it can happen to me. And I'm not satisfied until I have all that you have for me. Church, that's what God's looking for. A radical people. People that says, this ain't church, because it ain't alive. It's dead, it's boring, and it's doing nothing for me, and my life is not lining up with the Word of God, so therefore there must be something wrong. And I looked up, and therefore before me were four horns. Scrolling down to verse 20. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen or carpenters. What do craftsmen or carpenters do? Build things and cut things. Right? Get your power tools out. How many guys love your power tools? Some of you met my son yesterday. He's 16 months old. And his two favorite shows are Curious George this old house. And he's got in his room and go see a whole plastic tool set bench and all his power tools and he walks around his house and follows daddy around with his power tools and he's always sticking screwdrivers and everything. They don't need to be fixed. He's fixing things. What was 
Jesus in his occupation. There's a carpenter. God the Father is looking down at the Son and said, You know what? Those horns are choking out my people. Those horns the enemy has put is killing the vision that I have for my church. Enough is enough. So he's sending out the carpenters to remove those horns. That's a whole other sermon which I'm not going to go into today. Point number three that I would like to bring out is that we can affect our destiny. Church, we can affect our destiny. How many want to know how? It begins with true repentance, church. True repentance. Now, repentance is one of those words that I'm sorry is redefined by the church. Repentance does not equals whoops, I screwed up. Because that's the way we treat it. Because we go right back to doing exactly what we did. We do it, whoops, I screwed up. Whoops, we screwed up. Whoops, we screwed up. That's not repentance. Repentance means what you did grieved you. Grieved you. When you hear the word grieve, what are you associated with? What? Death. Right? A funeral of someone you truly love. Think back to the last funeral that you went to. Maybe it was a father, a mother, or someone that died too long. Did you walk into the funeral home and, oh, happy day! It grieved you. It crushed you. You mourned. It broke your heart to see them there. And it may break your heart today to remember that they're not here. At Christmas time, it grieves you because you remember the memories that you have with that person. That's the same emotion that sin should do to us. Because of our love for our Savior should grieve us that we should just feel the nails nailed in His hands every time we sin. I'm sorry to say the church has not gotten to that level. We've loved sin more than we love our Savior. And I know I'm preaching hard today, but it's the truth. So you want to know the things that you love? All you have to do is look at what time, the time that you're spending, where you're spending your time, and where you're spending your money. You analyze those things, and you don't have to tell me what you love. I can just tell you. My wife, for those who don't know, is a concert organist. She plays a big pipe organs. We just got back from Europe where she won an international competition. And she spends three hours a day practicing. And somebody look at that and say, how in tarnation can you do that? How can you spend three hours playing that? What is there to play for three hours? But that's what it's required for her to be at the level that she's at. Imagine if we dedicated three hours of our life just getting alone with God. They say, I'm going to turn off my stinking television. I'm going to put my computer down. I'm going to put my golf bags away. And I'm going to devote this time to God. That's what the Bible refers to as a true sacrifice. The last song we just sang, You Won't Relent Until You, is by Misty Edwards. Anybody know who Misty Edwards is? She got to the point where she wasn't satisfied enough with life. She wasn't satisfied with the church. And she said, God, I'm going to do something radical for you. For the next seven years, I'm devoting my life to you. And she is in the house of prayer. And she devotes 24 hours a day for seven years of her life there. Left her family, left her friends. That's what she decided to do. And, and this is the stuff, this is the result of this. And if anybody's ever, I encourage you, Google her and watch this woman lead worship. I had the opportunity of going on the July 7th of 07 to the call in Nashville, Tennessee. And she led worship, and I kid you not, the fire of heaven just fell right now. There was not wind like this blowing. The flag on the stadium was completely flat. And yet the power of God was blowing that women's skirts were just flapping. And that's what God has intended for church to be. To be life-changing. 
This woman just hits a note on the keyboard and the power of heaven falls. And that's the relationship that God desires for each one of you. Not just for pastors, not just for teachers, not just for missionaries. And yet statistics show that the average pastor, evangelical pastor, spends two minutes a day praying. These are your spiritual leaders. And if the pastor is only spending two minutes of the of his day praying, how much does the church bring? That's the average church. And we wonder why we're empty inside. We wonder why we're hopeless inside. We wonder why our economy is so screwed up. What do we do? We blame it on the politicians. It's all their fault. We blame it on the executives. It's all their fault. But whose fault is it really? God said, all authority of heaven and earth has been given to me. And now what? I give it to you. What's his word, is it not? So again, all right, we can affect our destiny through true repentance. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. What does it say? Let's read this one again together. They overcame him by blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Overcame him who referring to who? The enemy. By what? The blood of the lamb. We go to the blood, get the blood of the lamb when we go to repentance. We're on our knees. The blood of Christ comes and covers our sins. Church, that's where our power comes from, is when we're on our knees. First the repentance, and then once we're clean, now we can come into the declaratory mode, declare God's word. But the problem is we come to God unclean and then expect Him for all these blessings in our life. But we're meant to be a conduit, right? You hook a hose to the building and you turn on the faucets, what, what happens? Water shoots out, right? It's a natural byproduct. But you take the hose and you kink it, what happens? No water. Why? Is there something wrong with the well? No. Is there something wrong with the hose? No. Other than it's kinked. And so it is when sin gets in our life, it creates a blockage for the power of God to be flowing through us. And the more we allow sin to continue in our life, the more we allow that hose to continuously be clogged up. And then we yell at God, Well, God, why it's your fault? Well, it's not. This hose is 24 hours on keeps increasing the pressure, increasing the pressure. Church, it's our responsibility to keep our homes clean. And our idea of cleaning the homes is not, whoops, I screwed up. It's removing the crud and filth from our homes. I've been sharing this with my congregation this past month. We've been doing a study on the body of Christ. God's had me close many doors in my life this week, this past month. It's been very painful. But I've been hanging on to some dead stuff in my life. Because I had sentimental value. Anybody got any of that stuff? Trees in your life that are completely dead. My slide planted. We had a bonfire in front. God cannot put growth in your life until you remove the things that are dead in your life. Yes, it's a painful process, but you need to allow God to do that. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your what? Prayer. And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to, to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Church, that is the word of God. And see, we've been, we've been going to, to God and we've been seeking His face. 
But that's only part of it, church. We've been crying out to God, Lord, I want your glory. Lord, I want your power. Lord, I want your provision. Lord, I want your deliverance. We've been seeking him day and night. That's only part of it. And turn from your wicked ways. What does that mean? What areas of sin? Everything. Not the, the areas in our life that we classify as sin. Well, murder is sin, but just a white lie that don't classify. Sister Coleslaw, as Pastor Pat uses, well, all her sins are need to be dealt with, but mine we don't. Notice that we judge the world by their actions and ourselves by our good intentions. But I'm sorry, in the face of God, lying is the same gratitude of sin as murder. And I know sometimes that's hard to grasp, but it is. And we need to stop going through the Bible and whiting out the scriptures that we don't like just to justify our actions. People that sit there and trying to show me that abortion was scriptural. They were going through scripture to try to show me that homosexuality was scriptural. And going through areas of sin, and I said, don't do that to my word. Because this is a holy word. And I will not allow you to use it as a blanket for sin. But you know what? The church has done the same thing. Use it as a concordance. Sermons on love, peace, encouragement. And of course, we've used the Word of God, and so yes, it's powerful and it's alive. But, church, we can't pick and choose which scriptures we preach on. We need to preach on the whole Word. We need to preach on sin and let the world know I'm sorry, I love you, but you're in sin. You can't expect to remain in sin and expect God to bless you. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Your child is totally in rebellion. What do you do? You punish him. You put him in time out. You don't keep giving him treats. You don't keep giving him rewards. So it is with the word of God. But scripture says, if. What does the word if mean? The conditional statement. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Can I give you some word of encouragement? Before the year is done, you're going to see an outpouring of God's Spirit like you've never seen before. But on the contrary, you're going to see the judgment of God being released. Because there's people that are remaining in sin that just have refused. There's doctors who are performing abortions every day. God's going to be dealing with them. Why? Because the blood of those children are crying out. And God cannot stand by and listen to the child's children's voices cry out and go unnoticed. That's just one instance, church. But you're going to see a huge transfer. Because the world just thinks there's no accountability. You can live the life of sin and there's no no one can do anything about it. Ain't wrong answer. God says enough's enough. I'm still on the throne and mark my words. The rest of this year you're going to see the judgment of God released. But you're also going to see the blessings of God. Who's ready for it? Because here comes the carpenters that are going to be cutting down the spirit of lack. And God's going to say, what's your excuse now? My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Here comes the second carpenter. A deal with the spirit of limitation. God wants to erase it from your brain that yes, the word applies to you. The blessings of God apply to you. There's no sin that cannot be dealt with. There's no sin that can be forgiven. You're justified because of what Christ done, not because of what you've done. When he can say amen to that. God's sending this third carpenter to deal with the devouring spirit. How many are sick of the enemy robbing from you? Sick of stealing your finances, stealing your health, stealing your joy, stealing your jobs. 
stealing your provision. He's sending the fourth carpenter to deal with the devouring sins, hindering and they say all oh, hindering and devouring. We're going to take communion in just a second. For those of you that don't know what our policy on communion, you don't have to be part of the church. Our only requirement is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But the scripture also says to don't take the communion lightly. Don't take it in an unworthy manner. So I don't know about you, but I want to get some things sorted out real quick. Because I've been going through this, dealing with this all week, and I've been guilty as charged of giving up on the vision that God's had for me. I've given up on His promises. I've accepted the lies of the enemy because it was too hard to have faith to believe that His word was true. So if I can get the worship team to come back up because we're going to do communion in just a second. Can we do You Are Good? And I just want to give all of us an opportunity to just come before God. Now we don't have fancy altars this morning. But if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I urge you to get out of your chairs and come forward. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about reading your Bible. I'm talking about putting money in the offering plate. I'm talking about a life-changing relationship with God. I'm not talking about some prayer that you said and you think you have fire insurance. I'm talking about you are on the path of serving God. If you were put before a jury, you'd be convicted as guilty of being a Christian, a follower of Christ. And if that doesn't apply to you, then you need to be down here in church. I'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you. Anybody here? Anybody here this morning? My second plea you this morning is if you just need to spend some time at God's feet, say, God, I've screwed up. I haven't trusted you. I believe the lies of the enemy instead of your promises. And I need you to refresh my memory banks of your promises for my life. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you say, Pastor, I have no clue what my purpose is in my life. Today is your day. If that's you, I just ask you to come down. Some leaders from both churches will have the privilege of praying for you this morning. If you just need encouragement this morning, if you just need hope this morning, you've come to the right spot. We're just going to spend a few minutes just giving you an opportunity to, if you need to turn around your chair and use your chair as a pew, so be it this morning. We'll just spend just a, a few brief minutes with God, and then we're going to take communion in just a second.
said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same manner, he took the collar. He said, this is the blood that was shed for you. Take, drink, each one of you. Do in remembrance of me. Thank you, Father. endures forever. We thank you that we serve a live God. You're not just here on Sunday morning, but you're in our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I pray that you would just seal this word in each one of our hearts. But bring hope, bring change, bring life. Pray that for those that are struggling financially, the Lord, they'd have a God encounter today. Their debt would be canceled. They'd experience your abundance. They'd experience your provision. Pray for those that need healing today. That your power would just overwhelm them, Father God. Anybody else that needs a miracle today, today would be their day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for sending your son to die on Calvary's cross. That we could have a way to come to you right now. Thank you that you're our friend. Thank you that you're.